the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. A healthy church has a growing, meaningful, in depth understanding of these doctrines. In other words, a mature church is committed to doctrinal clarity. They know what they believe, they agree on what they believe. They know what the Bible teaches about Christ. They know about the various truths that make up the gospel. And they believe these truths and they agree on these truths. There is an essential understanding. This is where we stand. He's not talking about secondary issues. He's talking about essential doctrines of the faith. That's what Paul means until we all attain to the unity of the faith. This is not our personal faith. This is the content of of the gospel. So a healthy church is a church that is united on doctrine. Doctrine is important. another verse-by-verse program with Pastor Steve Kreloff. We're studying in Ephesians chapter 4, and this series about unity and spiritual growth is very important. As we said in our previous session, the mark of a mature Christian is that he or she has settled convictions about the truth. They don't change their theological opinions based on the last preacher they heard or the last book they read. So here's a question for you. Would you consider yourself a mature Christian? If so, what do you base that on? Now, I don't ask those questions to put you on the spot or embarrass you, but instead to encourage some self-examination. That's something we should all do as we hear God's Word. Today, Pastor Steve continues to talk about maturity, spiritual growth. Here is Pastor Steve. What are the characteristics of a healthy, growing, godly church. Well, that's what the rest of these verses in Ephesians, this section of Ephesians teaches us because starting with verse 13 all the way to verse 16, Paul explains what exactly he means by the building up of the body of Christ, what it looks like. He does this by revealing certain marks, certain qualities, characteristics that every mature and healthy church has. So, what Paul is really telling us is not only how to measure the spiritual maturity of a church, but also what the spiritual goals of every local church should be. What a church should strive to be like if they are going to fulfill the function for which God created them. Now, last time we looked at verse 13, we discovered three marks of a mature, healthy church. Let me review those with you. Number one, a healthy church is a church that is united on doctrine. Notice the beginning of verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And now what Paul means by this is that a mature church, and I should say a maturing church, 
is a church where there is an understanding and there is agreement on the essential doctrines of the gospel. The gospel. The plan of salvation. That's what Paul means by our faith. He's talking about the content of what we believe about salvation. And more than a superficial understanding of these doctrines that make up the gospel message, a healthy church has a growing, meaningful, in-depth understanding of these doctrines. In other words, a mature church is committed to doctrinal clarity. They know what they believe. They agree on what they believe. They know what the Bible teaches about Christ. They know about the various truths that make up the gospel And they believe these truths, and they agree on these truths. There is an essential understanding, this is where we stand. He's not talking about secondary issues. He's talking about essential doctrines of the faith. That's what Paul means, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. This is not our personal faith, this is the content of the gospel. So a healthy church is a church that is united on doctrine. Doctrine is important. Second mark of a maturing and healthy church is that in addition to being united on doctrine, a healthy church is, secondly, knowledgeable about Christ. Notice as Paul continues in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and notice this, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, none of us are going to know Christ as well right here in this world as we will in the next So he's not talking about perfect knowledge, but he is talking about being united in the knowledge of Christ and not simply a knowledge of him in salvation. We all have that if you're a believer, but Paul is talking about knowing Christ in a deeper way, in a more intimate way, in a very personal way. It is the knowledge of Christ that Paul himself longed for when he cried out in Philippians 3.10, oh, that I may know him. You see, a healthy church is a church where people are taught about Christ. He is the head of the church. He is the center of church life. And they long to know him better. It is a Christ-centered church so that they are growing in their understanding of who Jesus really is, his character, his attributes, what exactly he accomplished on the cross, what he'll do in the future in terms of prophetic truth. It is a church where Christ himself is the focal point. He's the center of the church. They aren't just content to know doctrine about Christ. They want to know him better based on doctrine about him. So they don't stop with doctrine. Doctrine is a gateway to knowing him. Third mark of a healthy and maturing church is that in addition to being united in the faith and growing in their knowledge of Christ, a healthy church is made up of Christ-like Christians, Christians who want to grow to be like him. Notice we continue in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's one and two. But notice this. To what? To a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now what Paul means when he speaks of a mature man and the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ is simply Christ-likeness. In other words, the mark of a church that is maturing is that those in the congregation pursue not only knowing Christ better, but being transformed into his likeness. They're a church that is growing in Christ likeness, conformed to his very image. They are pursuing sanctification. They don't just learn doctrine. That's important. They don't simply want to know 
about Christ and know him better. That's important. But this is a group of people who want to be more and more like Jesus in their attitudes, in their conduct, in the words that they speak. They want to be more loving. They're not content with how they are in terms of love. They want to be more holy. They want to be more compassionate. They want to be more forgiving. They want to be more joyful. They want to be more peaceful. And all that goes into being like Christ Churches that are healthy are churches where the people are concerned about their behavior. They want, as I said, because Paul uses this expression, to be conformed to the image of Christ, Romans 8.29, where Christian maturity is reflected in godly, Christ-like behavior in every area of life. So what that means is that there will be repentance going on, there will be confession of sin because we recognize how far short we fall, and the pursuit is always to be like him. Now tonight, as we move on to verse 14, and this is the only verse we're going to look at tonight, we see a fourth mark of a healthy and maturing church, which is that it has, note this, spiritual stability. Spiritual stability. We read in verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there, by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Now, having just spoken, as you'll recall in the previous verse, about what maturity looks like in terms of Christ-likeness and attitude and conduct, notice that Paul now mentions just the complete opposite, immaturity. Specifically, the immaturity of a little child. He says, we are no longer to be children, This particular Greek word that Paul chose to use for children is that of a baby. It's an infant. The word literally means one who does not talk. In other words, one who is too young to talk. That's what Paul is talking about. Now, understand this before we go any further. Our Lord made it very clear that in one sense, we are to be like children. We are to be like children in our humility. I remind you, he said in Matthew 18 verses 3 and 4. Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, and Jesus had placed a child in front of him, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, in answer to his disciples who always seemed to be arguing over who was the greatest in the kingdom, Jesus said, you have to become like a little child, humble. So we understand that. However, Only in one sense, in that sense of humility, are we to be like children. We are not to be like little children in every sense. We're not to be like little children in our ignorance and in our stability because they are not stable. They are not stable at all. And that's the point that Paul is making by saying we are no longer to be children. And he explains, tossed here and there by waves Carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. See, with this words, Paul describes what small children are like in terms of how vulnerable they are to being led astray and carried away with error. When he says that they're tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, he means that when it comes to listening to what adults say to them, little children tend to believe anything you and I would say to them, anything an adult would say, we're the authority figure to them. And in that sense, Paul says, they're just like boats. Small boats being thrown, tossed about on a stormy sea, totally at the mercy of the winds and the waves that carry them. And you know that, small children are like that. 
They're very gullible. They're very naive. They're not discerning at all. You can tell them anything and they will believe it. Now keep in mind, this figure that Paul is using of boats and being tossed here and there, he was very familiar with that. Paul experienced this. I remind you that Paul is writing to the Ephesians from the city of Rome. He's in prison in Rome. To get there, Acts chapter 27 tells us that Paul was on a ship that was tossed about on the Adriatic Sea. I want to read to you a little bit about this. Acts chapter 27, in verses 14 and 15, we read this. But before long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Eurachwila. And when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way, Luke says, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. It's just by every wind. By every wave, verse 18 says, the next day as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo. And verse 27 says, but when the 14th night came, as we were being once again driven about in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors began to surmise that they were approaching some land. So understand what Paul is talking about with little children being tossed about. He experienced that literally, physically, on the Adriatic Sea. So what Paul is saying then is that small children are unstable when it comes to what they believe. They don't know what they believe. They believe whatever an adult tells them to believe and it can change from moment to moment depending on who's speaking to them. Because as I said, they tend to believe everything and anything an adult tells them. And because they are naturally gullible and undiscerning, they are at the mercy of whatever a grown-up teaches them being tossed about by anything they hear from an adult. Regardless, and here's the problem, regardless of whether that adult is telling them the truth or error. Now, the primary point that the apostle is making is that immature Christians are just like small children in that they also are gullible and undiscerning and therefore spiritually unstable, being tossed about by every new theological fad that comes along. This is why Paul calls the waves and winds that carry immature Christians every wind of doctrine and the trickery of men in craftiness and deceitful scheming. In other words, they are fooled by teachers, false teachers, who deceive and manipulate them with error and wrong doctrine. The word that Paul uses for trickery is the Greek word for dice playing. And why would he use that? It actually means intentional fraud. But literally, it's dice playing because there were men in the ancient world, just like there are men today, who were experts at dice rolling. And they tricked people into thinking that they were just playing an innocent game of chance when all along they were being cheated and manipulated. Professional con artists. That's the way it is, folks, with immature Christians. They are tricked, they are cheated, They are manipulated by false teachers. And these teachers know exactly what they're doing in that they are planning, and this is their goal, to lead believers in Christ astray. We know that because not only the totality of Scripture, but Paul describes the trickery of these men. He calls it craftiness in deceitful scheming. This word scheming is the same word that Paul will use later in this letter in Ephesians chapter 6 to describe the schemes of the devil. The word means methods. 
strategies Satan uses in attacking Christians. In other words, he's saying false teachers have deliberate and planned and very subtle approaches intended to deceive and trick believers to wander into falsehood and error, and they are easily manipulated. Listen, what Paul is teaching is that a mature church is made up of mature Christians who know what they believe and are not easily moved by the latest theological trends. The mark of a mature Christian is that he has settled convictions about the truth. He's settled on those things. As one Bible teacher put it, he doesn't change his theological opinions based on the last preacher he heard or the last book he read. It's so true that in our day and age, people are so unstable as to not even know what they believe. And the last guy who comes along who sounds good and has some charisma and he's dynamic, people tend to gravitate to what he has to say. And somebody else comes along a little bit later and they gravitate to what he has to say. This is a lack of discernment. It's a naivety. It's being gullible on the part of Christians. And it's very real. And it's a very real and serious problem in today's evangelical church. Far more than it used to be. Why? Because Christians today have so much more access to theological error. Do you realize that we have more access to error than in any previous generation? How so? Through the massive amount of books that are written and have been written and are being written every day through radio, through the internet, and through television. Concerning this very, and it really is a serious problem in the contemporary church, John MacArthur writes this, the immature Christian is gullible. And in the history of the church, no group of believers has fallen into more foolishness in the name of Christianity than has much of the church today. Despite our unprecedented education, sophistication, freedom, and access to God's word and sound Christian teaching, it seems that every religious huckster can find a ready hearing and financial support from amongst God's people. The number of foolish, misdirected, corrupt, and even heretical leaders to whom many church members willingly give their money and allegiance is astounding and heartbreaking. I think he's absolutely accurate, and I wanted you to hear it from him. So in light of this very sad situation, as MacArthur puts it, heartbreaking situation, I think it's valid to ask two questions. Number one, why are so many Christians today so immature? Why are they so fickle concerning the truth? Why are they so easily deceived by error? Why? Well, the reason and the answer to this question goes right back to what Paul said in verse 12. So many pastors today are not teaching their people the doctrines of the word of God. They teach practical stuff, stuff to make you feel good, stuff to help you to get through the week, but not doctrine. Therefore, many Christians are not part of a healthy church that is united on doctrine. They don't know what they believe. So how can they guard themselves when somebody tells them something that's wrong? Because they've never been grounded in the truth. Doctrine is almost a dirty word in today's church. And also, because their pastors have not taught them the word like they should be taught, they also don't have knowledge of Christ like they should have. If you don't teach doctrine, you're certainly not going to understand Christ and draw closer to him through the truth. And also, they're not growing in Christ-likeness. That's not addressed. External stuff is addressed, but not internal heart attitudes. No wonder there are so many weak, unstable believers. It goes back 
to the pastors and back to the kinds of churches that they are shepherding. Therefore, the second question is this. What's the cure for this? What can be done to remedy the situation of having so many unstable Christians? Well, the answer is really found in the next two verses, which we will study the next time we meet to study Ephesians. But for right now, I think it's important for you to examine yourself in light of what you've heard tonight from God's word. Think about yourself. Are you unstable? Are you an undiscerning Christian? Do you know what you believe? I don't mean do you have a seminary degree, but do you basically know what you believe? Could you share the gospel with somebody? Do you find yourself shifting constantly in theological opinions? Never able to come to any settled convictions about a whole lot of doctrine. If so, then be careful. Be very careful. Careful about what? Careful about who you listen to. Careful about what teachers you listen to, what articles and blogs you read and books you read. We live in an amazing age of technology. It's amazing. So amazing so that you have access to some of the greatest Bible teachers of this generation. You also have access to some real con men and false teachers. Listen, there is a reason that God has placed you in a specific church with specific pastors. God has ordained that these pastors are your shepherds. Not radio pastors, not television pastors, but real pastors who care about you. To teach you, to equip you, to lead you into the truths of the word of God. Listen to the men that God has placed over you. It's not to say don't listen to other great Bible teachers, but don't listen to bad Bible teachers. Your priority is to listen to those who shepherd you. That's God's design for his church. Because as the writer to the Hebrews puts it in Hebrews 13, 17, he says, they, not anybody else, they keep watch over your souls. Nobody else does. No other leader does, but your pastors do. Now, it's possible that some, even some here, might be theologically fickle, doctrinally unstable, because you really don't know Christ. You don't know what you believe because you don't know the Savior. It's possible You don't, therefore, have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you to guide you into truth. So how could you be discerning? So I urge you, I challenge you to examine yourself. Make sure that you're a real Christian. Make sure that you have truly repented of your sin and that you have truly turned to Christ and trusted him as your Savior, trusting that his death on the cross is the sole basis for your salvation. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less, Christ and him alone strive in this church to be everything that God wants us to be. All that we have studied tonight and more to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is so very clear, Lord. And we pray that at this church at Lakeside, that we might be a church filled with those who are spiritually stable, Lord. We understand that none of us have arrived. We understand that we all have questions. We understand that there are many things we don't grasp But Lord, there's so much we can understand, so much sound doctrine that we can understand. So I pray that you help us to be a discerning church, a church that loves the truth, a church that gravitates to the truth, a church that is not gullible and easily swayed by con men who just want money and power. So I pray, Lord, I pray for our people that you help us to be spiritually stable not tossed about by every wind of doctrine, but anchored 
to Christ, anchored to the gospel, anchored to the essential truths of the word of God. And I pray for any here who may not know you, Lord. Always that possibility that they don't know what they believe because they don't know the Savior. I pray that if that's the case, then you'll open their hearts to the gospel. That they might see their sinfulness and that you are holy and must condemn and judge sin and that Christ is the only way to be forgiven because he was condemned in the place of sinners. I pray that that truth would invade their hearts and capture their souls and minds. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. After listening to today's verse-by-verse program, it seems to me that Christianity is not where it should be. Our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, brought some compelling thoughts about Christian maturity and how it is lacking in our churches today. Too many people don't know what the Bible teaches. They don't have a solid anchor that keeps them from drifting into false teaching. So what is the cure for a lack of spiritual maturity? The answer is found in the next two verses in Ephesians chapter 4, which we will study the next time we meet. Today, though, let me echo what I said in the introduction. Examine yourself in light of what you've heard today from God's Word. Think about yourself. Are you unstable? Are you undiscerning? Do you know what you believe? Please join us next time as we continue with this crucial series from the book of Ephesians. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.